This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Um, so six months ago, my wife and I had the uh, privilege of attending a conference in Jerusalem. And on a couple of occasions, we got to walk through the narrow streets uh, of the old city, filled with the Arab souks that you'll find there. And as you walk through the market stores, you literally get swept along by the crowds. There are Palestinians and Jews and Americans and people of countless nationalities and all different languages you can hear. And the sights and the sounds and the smells cannot adequately be put into words. But I should imagine that the busyness of a midsummer's day in 2018 doesn't come even close to the hustle and bustle in Bethlehem, just down the road from Jerusalem, when Jesus was born. Bethlehem must have been simply seething with people who had returned to their ancestral home for this huge census that the Emperor Augustus had called to be taken throughout the entire Roman Empire. Many Christmas cards, at least if they're religious ones, you'll find include an image of a, of a serene nativity scene. And all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin, mother and child, sleeping in heavenly peace. I, I guess there probably were some such moments. There is certainly something so special and magical and holy about this image. And we want to capture this. We want to enter into it afresh. Indeed, here this evening, later in our service, we'll sing Silent Night and, and all the lights will dim. We'll light those little candles that you were given when you came in. And it's, it's wonderful. We kind of don't want it to end. But the real scene of the first nativity was likely a lot rougher and tougher and harsher and just frankly a lot more basic than that. In, in a way in a manger a moment ago we sang the little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head the cattle are lowing the baby awakes but little Lord Jesus no crying he makes. It's a beautiful picture. But, you know, Jesus was a real baby, a real baby. And while babies can sleep serenely, and they are so precious, you know, babies, well, they can also scream. And what else do babies do, kids? Anyone tell me? Yep. What do they do? Tummy time. They have to be fed. That's right. And then after they've been fed, what happens? Yes? Well, they do sleep, and that's great when they sleep, but sometimes babies, yes? Someone has to change their diapers. Yeah, babies poop. Everybody poops. They spit up. Oh my goodness, babies. And, and they cry. Even, even this one, I bet, cries sometimes. Well, Jesus cried 
real tears. I didn't hope this was going to be like, honestly. It's okay. It's just quiet. You want to have a little look at the light. And, and real babies look around. You see, it's an extraordinary picture. Because, um, it's alright. You see, never do anything with animals or babies because you just never know what will happen. It's okay. And Jesus cried real tears as an adult, too. He, uh, thank you. Oh, excellent. That should do it, I'm told. Jesus cried for justice, he cried for compassion, for healing, for forgiveness. And one day, Jesus, the baby in the manger, is going to come back as judge of the whole world. Indeed, Jesus was the one who turned the whole world upside down. Now, this evening, we've gathered from all over the place, not probably as far as the census, although I dare say some of you have traveled a long way to be with your families. And we're a pretty mixed bunch of people, maybe not as diverse as those that were gathered in, in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. I'm not sure we have many shepherds. We have some dressed up as shepherds, of course. Probably not many market store traders, but lots of different folks, teachers and students and nurses and lawyers, some who are wealthy and some who are not. Now, I look out on this wonderful gathering, and some of you look as if you're in picture-perfect families. And others are probably here alone. But I wouldn't need to scratch the surface too much, probably with anybody, to discover that beneath the joy of Christmas Eve and behind the smiles and the handshakes, as well as the joy and the hope, there's likely some heartache and some sadness. The holidays have a way of shining a light on that, don't they? And yet the good news of Christmas is that for each and every one of us, whatever our circumstances, the nativity scene speaks into our situation, speak into our world. For in it, we can truly find that our hopes and fears are met in Jesus, even this night. You see, what is so extraordinary about Christmas what is so deeply surprising, even though it's familiar, is that the Word became flesh. Or in other words, Jesus, who was in the beginning with God, was born, was born a baby. And though the angels sang and the heavens were filled with bright lights and all the angelic choirs announcing the birth of Christ, Jesus himself did not come in power or splendor. He was born utterly helpless in weakness and vulnerability. What a wonderful and amazing thing it is that God came to be with us. You know, in Heart the Herald Angels Sing, I love that line, it says, mild he lays his glory by. But what does that even mean? Well, I think it's worth remembering that Jesus did not begin his life born in Bethlehem. Before Jesus ever came to the world, he shared with his Father in the life of heaven. Jesus had there everything that money couldn't buy. He experienced a quality of life 
at which millionaires, let alone ordinary people like you and me, could but dream of. He lived in a world where everything was perfect, a world where nothing was wrong, a world where there was no sorrow or pain or tears, a world filled with God's love, a world where every hour was in the glorious company of the Trinity. And Jesus was rich in the sense that he had everything he needed and wanted, because the whole of heaven was literally his. And yet, mild he laid his glory by. Jesus became poor. Jesus gave up the life of heaven with all of its privileges. He gave up that life where love reigned, where joy was constant, and instead entered our broken and fractured world where love is so often missing, where sadness is experienced so very often. Who in their right mind would do that? Well, that's what Jesus did. Jesus gave up the splendor and majesty of what was rightfully his in order to become one of us. Why did Jesus do this? Why did he so willingly experience the manger cradle, the hardships of a poor family, the hatred of his enemies, the agony of being betrayed? the terrible cross, the grave itself. It was, the Bible tells us, for your sake and for mine that he did that. Here we go. Jesus left his home Jesus left his eternal home for you and for me. You know, there's no better Christmas gift than the gift that God gives us in Jesus. For in Jesus, God shares his life with us. As we sang in a little town of Bethlehem, where meek souls will receive him, still the dear Christ enters in. And remember this, presents are not just for admiring, they're for receiving. And so I end with this. Will you receive Christ today? Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord God, thank you for giving us the best Christmas gift we could ever possibly have. Thank you for giving your only son, Jesus, to be born for us and even to die for us so that we can know you and love you forever. Thank you that you showed us what you are like, Lord God, in Jesus. Thank you for baby Michelle who helped us tonight, and we pray for all of the children and grown-ups here that they may worship you this Christmas and learn to follow you, Lord Jesus. Amen. <laughs>